Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Going to 2 Thessalonians. Before we read the appropriate uh, verses here, let's just pick up what we've been sharing in the last uh, couple of sessions here. Okay, you've got these notes. If you haven't got the notes, then uh, you can see me afterwards. Okay, in the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the man of sin, particularly in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, under A, we looked at his titles and saw that there were a number of titles that he's designated as here. The man of sin, in contrast to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the man of righteousness. Uh, Number two, the son of perdition, in contrast to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of Heaven. And then number three, the man-God, the man who seeks to become God, self-deification. And then in contrast to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the God-man, God humbling himself to become man. Number four, the mystery of iniquity, in contrast to the Lord Jesus Christ as the mystery of godliness. Number five, that wicked, in contrast to the righteous one, the holy one. Number six, Antichrist, or the man of sin, is referred to as the strong delusion. And uh, what did I have there on number six for the Lord? The complete revelation, thank you. And number seven, the Antichrist is referred to as the lie over against Jesus Christ being the truth. All right, so we looked at his titles. And then under B, we looked at his pride and saw that uh, he opposeth God, number one. He exalts himself, uh, number two, self-exaltation, self-deification, and self-exaltation, and then number three, sits as God in the temple of God, which we've seen to be the church, not a rebuilt temple of Jerusalem, but in the temple of God, which is the church. And so we have self-deification, self-exaltation, and self-enthronement. Now we want to move on to page two of your notes here, and pick up here under number three, his revelation. All right, now I'll leave this on for a little bit, but we'll come back to it uh, in, in due time. Now, In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, there's two thoughts I want you to fill in here, first of all, to give you your fill-in. So under under what we've seen here, A, his titles, B, his pride, number C, we're looking at his revelation and two particular things there. Okay, number one, we're told in verse, and you can put down your verses here before we comment, verses 6 and 8, that he would be revealed in his time. That's your, that's your answer there. Revealed in his time. Listen to the verse here. Paul saying to the Thessalonians, And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. So verses 6 and then verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Okay, so the first thought in verse 6 and verse 8 is, The Antichrist is revelation to be revealed, unveiled, Revealed in his time. And then number two, uh, there's uh, there's, uh, a certain thing that's withholding, or a certain one that's withholding the revelation of the Antichrist to be revealed in his time. And uh, in, uh, in number two here, restrained until, let me read the verse uh, seven here, for the mystery of iniquity does already work only he who now letteth, an old English word, letting, restraining, holding back. So only he who now letteth or restraineth will let or will restrain until he be taken out of the way. So number two you fill in there is 
uh, Antichrist is to be revealed in his time, but number two, he's restrained until the restrainer, whoever that is, we'll make a comment on that, until the restrainer is taken out of the way. Verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 7 that is. So revealed in his time, but restrained until the restrainer be taken out of the way. That's in verse 7. The Amplified puts this, and now you know what is restraining him from being revealed in his time, withholding, restraining, holding. Now you know what is restraining him from being revealed in his time. It is in that he may be manifested, revealed in his own appointed time. And amplified again, but it is restrained until he who restrains is taken out of the way. Now, in the diagram that you've got there, uh, let's just uh, fill, in, fill in a couple of things here. And uh, by the end of our session, everybody knows this famous timeline here by now. All right, now in the timeline we've got here, the first three and a half years, and uh, I realize this is an area of controversy and difference of opinion about the 70-week prophecy in Daniel. Those who are historicists believe it's all fulfilled at the death of Stephen and so forth, and others believe it's way down here at the end of the age, and so I don't want to get into the controversy. There is an excellent booklet on the 70-week prophecy in Waverly Christian Fellowship Bookshop by a very close friend of mine, Kevin Connor. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's on sale tonight, 10 cents down if you buy Rush immediately. And get your copy before they go out of production. Before the Antichrist goes. <laughs> okay, now, in what we've been looking at together, we have first of all here the Lord Jesus Christ, and at least most expositors believe this, that uh, Christ ministered for three and a half years, the first half of the 70-week prophecy. Some dump it way there, but we'll stick to what we believe. Or what I believe. <laughs> I hope some of us do. So at the beginning of the church age, the church era, we have the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And down this end of the age, we believe, as we've dealt very fully with last week, and I don't want to repeat all that, the revelation of the Antichrist, and as I understand it, in the book of Revelation, we have this beast called the beast and so forth, uh, manifesting himself for three and a half years now. Uh, or 42 months, uh, 1260 days variously uh, spoken of. And so here we have the Gospels. <clears throat> and in between we have here the Acts and the Epistles. <clears throat> and then down the end of the age we have the book of Revelation, okay? So this sort of covers, just an overview, uh, the, the New Testament books, okay? The Gospels, which is history, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the history of the Christ, the Anointed One, the Head. We saw this last week. Now we come here to the Acts and the Epistles, and we come to the church, the period of the church, which is the body of Christ. And we saw last week the head, the body, 
and the Spirit of Christ poured out on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of Christ working to form the body of Christ and eventually join that body to the risen head. So Christ the head, Christ the many-membered body and the same Spirit working in the head, working in the body. Then we saw in our revelation together last week that the same truth is uh, true of Antichrist. We have Antichrist summing up in a head. You have heard that the Antichrist should come. Even now there are many Antichrists, so we have an Antichrist head and a many-membered body. Many Antichrists, many false Christs. And, as we saw, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. There is a spirit of Antichrist. So these two things running parallel. The spirit of Christ at work in the head and working to complete the body. The spirit of Antichrist at work in a coming head and working forming the many-membered body of Antichrist. So we keep a balance on this type of thing. Now, in the Gospels we have the history. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we have history. In Revelation we have prophecy. I don't want to sort of corrupt your pure minds, but I was just reading a bit of a book recently where one man says the whole book of Revelation is over and done with. It was all fulfilled in AD 70 and there's nothing in it for the church today. Well, that's a very interesting theory. But I don't think Jesus has come back yet, do you? All right, so we have Christ, Antichrist, and uh, the three and a half years here. Now, what we're looking at here is that it says in 2 Thessalonians that uh, now you know, now you, and now you know what withholdeth or restraineth that he might be revealed in his time. I want to give you a couple of scriptures on this uh, thought of being revealed in his time. Let's go over to um, uh, just a couple of verses here. Reminding you of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. Let's just, uh, let's go to a couple of verses here. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. And we had cause to refer to this a uh, number of weeks back. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. To everything there is a season and there is a time to every purpose under heaven. Then he goes through about 28 uses of the word time. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, and so forth. Right through 28 times he uses the word time. So to everything there's a season and there's a time. And in verse 17 of the same chapter, the latter part, uh, I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time, therefore every purpose and for every work, a set time, a set time. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1, uh, reminding you of this again from the second coming epistles, First Thessalonians 5 and verse 1. Of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. The times and the seasons, so everything, there's a time and a season. Jesus said it's not for you to know the times and the seasons, but Paul said, I've already told you of the times and the seasons. So Paul is saying that uh, relative to the Antichrist, there's someone withholding, restraining, until he be taken out of the way, and then shall the Antichrist be revealed in his time. Now, let's put a contrast here uh, in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, why don't you look at this? Galatians 4. 
Now I've said this before that uh, people sometimes say, well if we just hurry up and do this, that and the other, Christ will come back sooner. No, Christ is not coming back before time. He came the first time on time, he'll come right on time the second time. So in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 we're told, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. The fullness of time. So from Adam through to Jesus we have approximately 4,000 years, more or less, whatever, somewhere in there, but in the fullness of time. So God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, right on time the first time. Nobody in the Old Testament could hasten his coming or postpone it. Can you say amen to this? He came right on time and it'll be the same with the second coming. Now, just as things had to develop right from the fall of Adam, right through the law age and through the patriarchs and the, and the law and the Psalms and the prophets and everything, to the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, when the time was fully come, God sent for His Son, the fullness of time. Okay, so things were held back, restrained. Some people said to me, why didn't Christ come the moment Adam sinned? Why did God hold it up for so many uh, thousands of years? And so because God's working to a plan. And so in the fullness of time, Christ was revealed. Now we have the same thought here, that uh, in the set time, in the appointed time, there's someone restraining, holding back, and the, the Antichrist will be revealed in his time. So in his time, there's a time element. Now the second thing that we noticed there was this, that uh, it says, um, you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity is already at work. So way back here, even in the, the epistles and the book of Acts, the mystery of iniquity was already at work. Just as we see the mystery of godliness in Christ the church, Christ and the church's body, we see the mystery of iniquity at work in the spirit of Antichrist is working through here, consummating here. And so he says, you know what withholdeth, uh, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth, so it's per, uh, pers uh, personalized here, he who now restraineth will restrain until he be taken out of the way. It's uh, translated withhold, holds back, restrains or letteth until he be taken out of the way. Uh, according to the expositors, I'll give you the two views that I held here, I'll tell you the view I believe and take it for what it's worth. Uh, one view says today that the one that is restraining is the church. That the church is the body of Christ is restraining the mystery of iniquity being fully revealed. When the church is taken out of the way, then the Antichrist will be revealed. The other view says that the restraining one is the Holy Spirit. And so that's the view I hold. So I've given you the two views. I personally believe that it's the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the restraining one. And he is holding things back until God's purpose in the earth is completed and until the church has finished her job. How many can say amen to that? Uh, let's just go over for an illustration of this restraining. And... Uh, so I've given you the two views. I personally believe that it's the Holy Spirit in the church and at work in the earth that's restraining the mystery of iniquity being revealed. Let's uh, go to a couple of contrasts here. Uh, let's go to Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation 7. If you can just 
Uh, open your Bible to Daniel 7 with one hand. And the book of Revelation, Daniel 7. So Daniel 7, Revelation 7, the other hand. And with the other hand you can keep writing. Okay, Daniel 7 and Revelation 7. We have a very interesting picture here that I believe really illustrates this thought of restraining. So that's uh, Daniel 7 and Revelation 7. Uh, in Daniel chapter 7, we'll read the verses uh, and then make a comment here. Daniel 7 and verses 1 and 2. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the some, some of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. Now think of the picture here. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. So Daniel sees the four winds for the number of earth, universal, worldwide, and these winds, symbolic of powers. We think of the Holy Spirit as a rushing mighty wind on the day of Pentecost. We think of the, uh, the wind that blew in Job's uh, house where his sons were and destroyed, a wind that came from Satan. So uh, winds are always symbolic of powers of spirits, whether the Holy Spirit or evil spirits. So here are four winds striving upon the sea, striving. Uh, cross currents, undercurrents, restlessness. The wicked are like the troubled sea whose waters cannot rest, tossing up mire and dirt. And out of this striving of the winds blowing upon the sea, four great beasts, four world kingdoms come up. That's uh, what Daniel interprets. Now, go to the contrast in Revelation 7. In Daniel 7, these four winds are striving on the sea. But see the contrast in Revelation 7. Very similar and yet contrastive. And, uh, verse 1, And after these things I saw four angels, again the number four, that which is worldwide universal, four corners of the earth, uh, standing on the four corners of the earth, four being the number of earth, and here holding, restraining, holding back, holding the four winds of the earth. What for? That they should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Don't hurt the earth, don't hurt the sea, don't hurt the trees, until... Now there's a restraining one that's holding back the Antichrist that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity is already at work. But he who now restrains will restrain until he be taken the other way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed. That's the same thought that we have here. So four winds in Daniel striving upon the sea. And out of the sea the restless menaces of humanity and the wicked are like the troubled sea. Uh, four world kingdoms, as we're told, like another beast. Well, in Revelation we see the beast. But here in this chapter there's the four angels holding, restraining, holding back the four winds, saying, hey, don't blow on the earth or the sea nor the tree. And those things are all heard in chapter 8 when the trumpets begin to blow, the trumpets of judgment. And he says, just hold back. And this angel with the seal of the living God says, just hold everything until a certain time, until the sealing of the servants of God with the name of God in their foreheads. So there's a restraining power. And... Uh, 
How many are glad that God is restraining things today because all hell could be let loose and anybody presses the wrong button? God helped a whole lot of us. But I personally believe that God is restraining things. The nations are agitated and restless and violence is increasing in the earth. But I still believe that over and above all, God's restraining things until the church finishes her work. Can you say amen to that? Now that's the picture I see there. So I believe that it's the Holy Spirit who is the restraining one. And uh, he will, will restrain until he be taken out of the way. And whatever the full implications of that are, I think there's more on that than meets our eye and meets our ear. Now back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, because time keeps moving. All right, so much for number C here, his revelation. So we've had his titles, number A, B, his pride, number C, his revelation, to be revealed in his time, there's a set time, and uh, he is restrained to be fully revealed until the restraint will be taken out of the way. All right, now number D, we have his manifestation. Once the restrainer is taken out of the way, then we have his manifestation. And then shall that wicked be manifested, revealed, seen, brought out where it can be seen. At the moment, it's the mystery of iniquity that's working, but then the wicked one will be revealed and we have his manifestation and there's three particular things here. Number one, the working of Satan. Number two, the deception of Satan. And number three, the reasons for the deception. Let me say that again while you fill in, you fill in there. I hope you can understand those hieroglyphics. So number one, the working of Satan. Even him, and then shall that wicked be revealed. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. And this working of Satan, so in contrast to the work of God and the work of Christ, now we have the work of Antichrist, just as Christ came to do the work of his Father, Antichrist will come to do the work of his Father. You have your father of the devil. God was the father of Christ, Satan will be the father of Antichrist. So... After the working of Satan, the father of lies, the accused and slanderer. And this working of Satan is manifested in the threefold area by power. And the, uh, the Greek thought there is dunamai, power. Dunamis, from which we get dunamis, dynamite. Power, uh, B, by signs, the Amplified says by miracles. And C, uh, that's B. And see by lying wonders, or the Amplified says, delusive marvels. Now one of the great dangers today, and please, uh, I don't want to knock this. I'm out for all the signs and wonders we can get, as long as they're according to the book. But with an age that's after signs and wonders, the great danger is that when this happens, how many people are going to be deceived? Okay? Doesn't say these uh, it doesn't say these believers shall follow signs. It says these signs shall follow them that believe. But today so often believers are following signs instead of signs following believers. And so the danger is on all this that there's, there's power and signs and wonders that are of God, but there's power, signs and lying wonders that are of Satan. And how many are going to be deceived by that? Okay, so the working of Satan. 
Uh, I'll illustrate that in a moment. Then uh, number two here, the deception of Satan. And you'll notice that in verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them but perish, because they receive not a love for the truth that they might be saved for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. So we have deceivableness, uh, strong delusion, believe a lie. In other words, the deception of Satan. And then number three, we have the reasons for the deception. Now, let me just give you an illustration here. Let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And you could put this under number two here, the deception of Satan. And uh, I think here we have a classic illustration of what I'm talking about, the working of Satan. The working of Satan. Uh, we'll pick up in uh, verse 7 and verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7 and verse 8. All right, Paul speaks about those who are in some of our, uh, or some in our state systems, some of them, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as James and James we've stood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Now, I hope you remember the story, but you remember when God called Moses and Aaron, and if you please, two witnesses. It's uh, almost significant that uh, when you get to Revelation, you have Revelation chapter 11, two witnesses. Revelation chapter 12, a woman. Revelation 13, a beast. And 666. And each chapter talks about three and a half years, three and a half years, three and a half years. Anyway... God called Moses and Aaron two witnesses. And they go down to Egypt to the beast Pharaoh. And when Pharaoh says, okay, after they announce their uh, mission, let my people that they uh, go that they may serve me in the wilderness, just like that woman goes into the wilderness, then Pharaoh says, okay, do a miracle for you. And so Moses says to Aaron, cast your rod down. And so Moses threw his rod down and it became a serpent. And then Pharaoh calls in his two witnesses, Jans and Jambres, by name here. So we have God's witnesses, Moses and Aaron, two witnesses, in the mouth of two, three witnesses shall every word be established. We have Satan's two witnesses, Jans and Jambres. So they cast down their rods and they became serpents. Now if we had of us, uh, I've had cause to mention in the States, how many have heard of the Pentecostal snake handlers? Right, there's a few of them in the States. Heard about this ministry, wanted to see how they handle the snake abusing Mark 16. So he calls out all the ministers, and so all the ministers come out the front and they start passing the snakes along. And this guy got scared. He thought, what am I going to do? So as soon as they were ready to hand the snake to him, he said, Malachi, Malachi, thus saith the Lord, pass me by. And they slipped the snake around here and slipped it on there. Anyway, he spoke in tongues and got rid of it. Uh, now, if they had been there, the Pentecostal snake handlers, and saw all this bunch of snakes running around there, they would have been jumping up in there, hallelujah, glory to God, let's have some snake charming meetings, Mark 16, take up serpents and nothing will hurt them. But you see, the tragedy of it was this. 
we were seeing an example there of the working of Satan by power, by signs, by lying wonders. Now, two, uh, uh, as you look at those two miracles, if you and I had have been there, we could have been deceived because how would you know which was of God? One miracle was of God and one miracle was of Satan. Identical miracle. In fact, in the first three plagues, the magicians did miracle for miracle. Anything God did, they did. I'm always glad that God went one better. So now if we'd been there, we'd have been deceived. I would have been deceived. Cheer up. We would have been deceived. Because how would we know? Now, the Bible says, covered earnestly the best gifts. What do you think would have been the best gift there? Prophecy? Tongues interpretation? <laughs> Discerning of? Not discernment. Discerning of spirits. Because one miracle was to deceive and the other miracle was to believe. Nobody could tell the difference. Only the Holy Spirit. Now I'm saying all this because of our next point here, see. Only the, the Holy Spirit cannot be deceived. You and I can. We can be deceived by our senses. But the Holy Spirit cannot be deceived. And he could have just said, okay, Kevin, see that little snake there? That's my miracle. That other snake over there and those bunch of snakes, they're the counterfeit. Anyway, God always went one better and uh, we're told that Aaron's rod swallowed up the rods of the magicians. They lost their rods. That was a good job. So we have an example there of the manifestation, the working of Satan by power, signs, lying wonders, the deception of Satan. Now, let's go back to 2 Thessalonians quickly as time keeps going. <clears throat> the reasons for the deception. Okay, I'd like you to put three little asterisks under number three there if you can fit it in. The reasons for the deception. Number, first asterisk is no love for the truth. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because, first asterisk, they receive not the love of the truth. So, love of the truth. No love for the truth opens the way to deception. The truth hurts. People don't like the truth being told to them. Christians don't like it. Sometimes they get offended. But if we don't have a love for the truth, we're open to deception. Now I say, God, give me a love for the truth even if it hurts. Otherwise, I'm open to deception. Second asterisk, they did not believe the truth. Verse 12, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth. So they not only did not have a love for the truth, that's verse 10, they did not believe the truth. Now you won't believe the truth unless you have a love for the truth, even if the truth hurts. Eh? Know the truth, the truth sets you free. So, number first asterisk, they did not have a love for the truth, and because of that, verse 12, they did not, have, they did not believe the truth. And then the third asterisk here is, we're talking about the reasons for the deception is, uh, they had pleasure, in unrighteousness. That's in verse 12 also. So had pleasure in unrighteousness. Instead of holiness, they had pleasure in unrighteousness. So three reasons for the deception. 
Okay, let's go for our last uh, three, uh, two or three moments here under E because we've been on the Antichrist long enough. I'd like to get off him a bit. Okay, uh, his judgment. So note the order I've given you, his titles, his pride, his revelation, his manifestation, now his judgment. Two areas here, his judgment first of all on the man of sin, that's uh, number one on the man of sin in verse 8. And in verse 8 it says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, and here's the judgment on the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume, destroy, with the spirit of his mouth, and destroy, paralyze. We have two words there actually, whom the Lord shall consume, uh, slay, with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy, paralyze, with the brightness of his coming. Now, I don't believe for one moment that when Jesus comes back riding on a white horse and you and I are riding on our white horses, I mean, you're getting learned to ride horses. Uh, I don't believe Jesus is going to come up to the Antichrist and have a little kangaroo box, you know, and fight it out. I mean, you know what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane when they went to arrest Jesus and said, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he just spoke the word and those soldiers fell backwards when he said, I am. There's the spirit of his mouth, the sword of his mouth, which is the word. So Jesus won't be fisticuffing on anybody. It says that when he comes riding on the white horse uh, the, with his sword, the sword of his mouth, he just speaks the word and paralyzes. He speaks the word, people get healed. He speaks the word and the Antichrist is paralyzed with the brightness of his coming. It'll be so dazzling bright. As we see, I mean, there won't be any fighting it out and the Antichrist punching Jesus in the nose and Jesus punching him back and saying, Ah, oh, where do we get that from? How many know Jesus just speaks the word and can zap anything? They're just that simple. I'm glad I'm on his side, aren't you? Aren't you glad we're on the winning side? It'd be silly not to, okay? So, judgment on the man of sin, uh, consumed with the spirit of his mouth and uh, destroyed or paralyzed with the brightness of his parousia, his coming. And the number two, as we wrap up here, his judgment, not only in the man of sin, but on his followers. I want you to go back to chapter one now, and all I want you to do for the moment, we're going to pick up uh, next week, and uh, this uh, next part here, okay? I just want you to fill in your scriptures. So number two on his followers, uh, in 2 Thessalonians 1, that's chapter 1 now, we've been on chapter 2 for a long time, but chapter 1, it says, The Lord Jesus shall be, here's your fill-in, so we'll wrap up on this, shall be revealed from heaven. Revealed from heaven. Antichrist is going to be revealed, Christ is going to be revealed. Revealed from heaven. Be with his mighty angels. Antichrist and company won't have a go, won't have a chance. With his mighty angels, see in flaming fire, that's hot, flaming fire. I mean the flamethrowers that they had in World War I and II will be chicken compared to the flamethrowing he'll be doing. In flaming fire, what doing? taking vengeance vengeance now there's no vengeance in his heart the first coming that's why when he read the prophet Isaiah he closed the book 
where it says right in the middle of a verse taking vengeance on them no he closed that because there was no vengeance there now there is vengeance taking vengeance on you fill in them that know not God who does it exclude them that know not God and F on them who's them them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ now I can't for the life of me just with this one scripture alone see how you can get sinners into a millennial kingdom to give them a second chance taking vengeance on them that know not God and them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ G who shall be brought into a millennial kingdom to get a second chance to hear the God don't you know who shall be punished with everlasting destruction well, that's what your Bible says who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from two problems here from the presence of the Lord where's that going to be and from the glory of his power who or when no so it continued who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when when he shall come to be fill in glorified in his saints I'm just reading it right out the Bible and to be admired in all them that believe how many admire the Lord Jesus Christ how many believe he's going to be glorified in his saints what do you do with that scripture Come back next week for this exciting episode. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you again for the privilege of feeding on your word, your word which is the finest of the wheat. We pray, Father, that uh, you'll give us all a love for the truth. Lord, so that we will not be open to deception. Give us a love for the truth even if it hurts, Lord. And regardless of the channel that the truth may flow through, help us, Lord. We want to be sensitive to your spirit, Lord. We thank you for what your spirit is doing in the earth today, forming the body of Christ. And thank you you've called us to be members of that body and to be witnesses for yourself, Lord, that others may be added to this body and complete the elect number. Seal your word to our hearts, Father. And let your presence remain with us until we gather again on the weekend. May we come with a spirit of expectancy, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We ask it in his own wonderful name. All God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Shake hands with each other. And we'll see you on the weekend. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org where you can access PDF downloads of all of Kevin Connor's books as well as his video training courses, including the Key of Knowledge Seminar and Foundations of Christian Doctrine.